0: Um, okay, I've got to get through my scriptures here. Here we go. All right, uh, come with me in, in your Bibles. First Kings chapter eight. First Kings chapter eight. The, the title of my message, it, it, the points were easier. The title was more difficult. So let me read the let me let's read the scripture first, and then I'll try and and you can let me know whether yeah that's not a great title at all. 1 Kings chapter eight. So what's happening, the context of 1 Kings chapter eight is, is they've just finished the construction of the temple. They've just finished the construction of the temple. Solomon's brought a thousand rams and sacrificed a thousand rams. The anointing has fallen. The, The ministers can no longer minister because of the glory of God that has filled the temple. Solomon, you know, gets down on his knees and he prays and he says, God, like, But when we cry out to you and in future generations, if we turn, if we go to idolatry and if we but we face this temple and we pray to this temple, will you hear from heaven and will you restore and will you forgive? And it's this is this powerful moment. And Solomon is surveying everything. And then uh, verse 55 says, then he stood and he and he blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying. And this is the verse I want you to, to under underline and catch. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. Let me just read 55 again, uh, 56 again. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. Therefore, Oh, sorry, there has not failed one word. There has not failed one word, not one word that God has spoken has failed of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. So the title of my message today is A Life Where Every Word Comes to Pass. A life where every word comes to pass. So so this, this scripture tells me, it tells me that it is possible. For you to have an experience on planet Earth where every promise of God comes to pass. Now, the reason reason I'm not a Calvinist is because of the message you're about to hear. Because God promised the people in Egypt, the Israelites in Egypt, that he was going to lead them into a land flowing with milk and honey, a good and large land. A land, milk, honey, prosperity, blessing, a land that the Lord has watched over, that the Lord has chosen. But that whole generation died in the wilderness. That whole, gener- that whole generation died in the wilderness. Right. Another generation came in because God's word came to pass in that generation, but it didn't come to pass in the previous generation. Calvinism basically says that you and I are superfluous to the things of God, that God is sovereign he just kind of sovereigns on the throne, whatever he likes. You know, you know, Gabriel, why are you bothering me? Well, you know, I think you should help that person. Gabriel, I'm sovereign. I help who I choose and who I don't choose. In fact, I get glory out of people. So- it's, it's, it's the most perverted doctrine. God, God always partners with people. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth searching for him whose heart is loyal, that on that person's behalf, God might show himself strong. If God was your sovereign, why, why would he bother searching? Why would he bother be looking for hearts that respond? So I want you to know that, that even though God watches over his word to perform it, it doesn't have to come to pass in your life. But I've made a decision in my life. I don't want one word that he has promised to fail in my life. I don't, every promise of God I want to see in my life. So it is possible for you to have that, but it is also very possible for you to, to say, wow, I never saw any of God's or only saw some of God's. In fact, the, way, the reason that we preach what we preach unashamed, unabashed, unapologetic every week, preach the word of God. Oh, you guys are bigots and you guys are, you, guys, you know, couldn't care less. First commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. The first one empowers you to do the second one. If I don't love God, I can't love others. But because I love God, I love others. And when people say, well, you know, awaken spreads hate because you stand against homosexuality and you don't support pride. Yeah, because... If I stop loving the Lord, my God, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, I can't, I can't disparage and dishonor his word. I can't disrespect his word. I can't deny his word. I can't violate his word and then say that I love him. For me to love him means that I'm so sorry, broken world. But I have to tell you what Abba, I have to tell you what God says. And if you come into alignment, if you think that you can transition from male to from XY to XX, you can't. You can can have all the... Accoutrements, you can have all the, you can take the steroids and the hormones and blockers and all all that kind of stuff and have surgery after surgery, but you will never arrive at XX. Your body will be fighting you the whole time. So you'll never become that, but you've left this and you're always going to be in an in between land. It's not going to help you. Suicide, anxiety, and depression has only gone up for people post. Their, 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 their transition. It hasn't gone down. So, of course, we're going to stand because we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. And that gives us compassion to love our neighbours. ourselves. We don't stand against LGDPQ and pride because we hate those people. We love those people. We stand against those things because we see it is destructive we see that it destroys, we see that it promises to deliver, it, pro- it promises, it, it, it's a counterfeit gospel. The Bible says when you are born again, you're a new creation. Old things are passed away. This is the devil trying to say, hey, you can be born again as a woman. You can be born again as a man. You can be born again. But, 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 but the, the devil's a liar. There's no life. There's no freedom. There's no, but when you are born again of the Spirit of God, the life of God comes onto the inside. You're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So so we we, we we preach what we preach because we want people to have an encounter with God. Well, you know, I don't like Awakened Church. Why do they have to, everybody has to be good looking? And why does everybody have to, you know, prosper and flourish? And, you know, they're buying all the homes. Damn right we're buying all the homes in San Diego. Damn tootin'. Damn tootin'. Because in the future, all the school boards and all that is going to be be people that that go to Awaken Church that have faith so we can drive out the garbage and drive out the perversion and drive out the child grooming, drive all of that garbage out. Absolutely, 110%. You better believe that's exactly what we're doing. It's exactly what we're doing. So, so we, we preach the word of God and, and, and what, what we preach is to, to, to put you into, into a place where you see every word of God coming to pass. So let me give you three quick thoughts that, that uh, these guys had to do. So S- Solomon is saying every promise, every word that God promised has come to pass. Every word. But it didn't just come while they were spectating. They were like, man... Go, God. What, what? Go, God. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? God. God. Ooh. Like, they, they, weren't, they weren't just cheerleading. They weren't just spectating. That, so the first, thing, the first thing that I see when I read my Bible, first thing I see is they had to believe. They had to believe the word of God. God is a promise making God. God is a promise keeping God. But God is looking for a promise believing people. God is a promise making God. He's a promise keeping God. But he's looking for a promise believing people. God selected Abram, not because of his height. Not because of his business acumen. Not because in Abraham, when he graduated from Harvard... God chose Abraham because Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. You will find that the first prerogative in this world is God is looking for believers. In the New Testament, we know that, well, you know, we're Christians, we're born again Christians. But you need to understand they were only called Christians twice in the book of Acts. And both times it was a derogatory term. All the way through the New Testament, we are known as believers. What do we believe? The word of God. Well, why is that the issue? Because that was, that was the issue. That is the issue. Genesis 3, has God really said? <laughs> God knows the day you eat from that tree, you'll be just like him, knowing good from evil. You won't surely die. Go ahead. And she reached out and took. It was unbelief that set the, the, the mess. It's unbelief that set the earth on a collision course with chaos. That's why the culture of the world is unbelief. Jesus came into the world and when constant issues, and he's like drama, and he's like, my goodness. He says, how long shall I be with you? Faithless, perverse generation. How long shall I bear with you? Bring the child to me. His constant lament and his constant commentary on the culture of his time was faithless, and perverse generation. You'll always find when faith goes down, perversion increases. Why are we are seeing this perversion in the world? Because the, the, the generation of pastors and Christians before us sat on their fat foo and just, you know, decided to go seek a friendly and, hey, let's water down the word of God. Well, great. Once you drop down faith, perversion increases. Do you know the way to get perversion to go down? We've got to get faith increasing. How do you get faith increasing? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Word of God. That's why we're persecuted. That's why we're vilified, because we refuse to let perversion be the dominant spirit in our culture. We're going to put faith back in San Diego. I don't know about you, but I'm on an assignment from God to bring faith to Salt Lake City, faith to Boise, faith to San Diego. In t- Why? Because we want to see perversion go down and faith go up, where faith goes, miracles go, peace goes. Solomon says, we're in peace this day. God has given us peace from every enemy. Not one word that he promised has failed to come to pass. But somebody had to believe. Noah had to believe God. Noah had to believe God. I mean, can you imagine? You're Noah. Noah. Yeah. Build me an ark. Okay. Yes. Yes. What's an ark? Oh, it's a boat, Noah. It's a boat. We're going boating? No, Noah. It's about to rain. I'm going to cause it to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Yes. What's rain? Oh, it's it's when water falls from the sky, Noah. Water's going to fall from the sky. <laughs> the water in the rivers is And the water in the lakes and the ocean, how's it going to get up there? It's never rained before. Honey, I had a talk with God today. He's given us an assignment. Oh, goody, what is it now? Well, he wants us to build, well, it's not really a boat, is it? It's an ocean liner. It's one and a half football fields long, three quarters of a football field wide, and four stories high. We're going to build it in our front yard. Don't worry. It's only going to take 120 years. For the next 120 years, people are going to walk by. It's hard to hide our faith. No, no, no. Keep your faith private. How many people know it's very hard to keep your faith private when you're building an ocean liner in your front yard? What's that No enough in. It's just, just a DIY project, isn't it? <laughs> Animals start turning up. To <clears throat> Noah, Noah, do you have a permit for those elephants? For hundred and twenty years, people are mocking him. Have you seen that Noah guy? Yeah. He thinks water's gonna fall from the sky. Has anyone ever heard of anything? The experts, and this guy, Noah, <laughs> believes that water's gonna fall from the sky. This is CNN. You know, it's like, <laughs> what? The, the experts, the meteorologists, the, even the climate change experts, No, no, there's no water falling from the sky. What kind of, they were mocking him. Noah had to believe, even though they were trying to drive him off Coronado. He had to believe, even though they called, called him a bigot. They had to believe, even though they were called nasty names. They were mocked. They were vilified. They were insulted. But in that culture, Noah made a decision That he believed God. He believed God. He believed God. And you need to understand that Noah came from a beautiful family. His great-grandfather was Enoch. Enoch was the one who prophesied the judgment. Enoch was the one who had the vision of the flood, who saw the flood, who saw the impending doom, who saw the impending judgment. He passed it on to Methuselah. God gave Enoch, a promise. He says, Because you are the, the one that received that vision and then projected that vision, I want you to know all the calamity and the destruction that you see coming to the planet will not happen till your beautiful little baby boy, Methuselah, until he breathes his last breath. I will not bring judgment until Methuselah dies. So you would think that Methuselah may have lived, you know, to 70. You know, that God for 70 years, because the wickedness was only evil, the, the thoughts and the intents of their heart, wow. violence was filling the earth. Who, who's the oldest man in the Bible? Yeah. Methuselah. Because God is so long-suffering. Yeah. He's so long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Wow. The, the oldest man in the Bible, it's not a coincidence, was Methuselah. God promised to Enoch that, the, in fact, Methuselah's name means his death shall bring. His death shall bring. The judgment wasn't happening until Methuselah died. And it's interesting, Methuselah's daddy, Lamech, died uh, just uh, one, one year before his son, Methuselah. Methuselah outlived his, his daddy. And, uh, and Lamech's son was Noah. Noah had... this passed down. And so he gave himself to believing Abram believed the Bible says that God called to Abram and says, you know, I want you to get out of your father's house away from your family, out of your country. And I want you to go to a land of which I will show you a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I want you to go to this, this land, the, the, the land of Canaan. And the Bible says that Abram didn't know where he was going, but set out, set out trusting God faith has to be dynamic it cannot be static believing faith has a move it moves the bible says faith without works is dead in fact it's your faith in action that shows what you believe David the bible says ran toward his giant when they put David in in the valley he's looking at Goliath and he said to Saul says do not be afraid he says, I know you think I'm not qualified, but your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came, I struck it. And one time the bear rose up and I grabbed it by its beard and I struck it and killed it. The same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will be the same God that delivers me from this uncircumcised Philistine. When David gets down in the battle and the Philistine says, come to me, boy, and I'll feed your carcass to the beasts of the field and to the birds of the air. David didn't retreat. David didn't hide. The Bible says David ran toward his giant saying, you come against me with your sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the armies of the living God, uh, in the name of the living God, whose armies you have defied this day, and I will take your head from your body, and I'll feed your carcass. He had faith, but it was faith in action. He ran toward his giant. When we got to San Diego, there were no promises. There were no guarantees. There was no welcome committee. There was no one to pick us up from the airport. Our accommodation had fallen through. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. We didn't know anybody. We didn't Know north, south, east, west. I, you know, in Australia, east where we lived on the east coast, east meant you went to the ocean. I can't tell me how many times I'm on the freeway going for a surf and I see east and I go east, and the next time I'm like, why am I seeing mountains? Where the heck's this ocean? And I'm driving the wrong direction, and but we we had to believe God, and then God has the audacity to to give me a vision of a baseball diamond, and I'm like, what on earth is you want me to get involved in the? You want me to be a chaplain for the Padres? And he's like, no, he goes, that's the vision. He goes, I want you to have one, one church in four locations. I'm like, God, I'd just be, be happy for one church in one location. But I knew God's requirement is always belief. God sends out His Word. God sends out His Word. God sends out His Word. God sends out His Word all the time. But I'm telling you, that Word only comes to pass if you believe. you got to make a decision. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. I've made a decision. I want to believe God. I'm going to believe God. You've got to become a believer. Somebody say amen. In in the book of uh, Hebrews, the Bible says uh, Abraham offered up Isaac in faith. He offered up Isaac when he was tested. He offered up Isaac. And, uh, you know, even though he'd received the promises, in fact, let let me let me let me read it to you. I've got, got it in here somewhere. Abraham offers up Isaac, believing that even God... Who had promised would raise him from the dead. So when God said to Abraham, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love in Genesis 22. Abraham, in verse 3, got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, woke up his son. Obviously, he didn't tell his wife. Awkward. But takes him out three days journey, gets to the land of Moriah and puts Isaac on an altar believing that God would raise him from the dead. He didn't understand. Sometimes faith, sometimes believing is, can you believe when you don't understand? Can, hang on, hang on, hang on. How does this... I don't understand, how's this going to work? Hang on, how does, hang on, wait, 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 God, you you, you want me to give $100,000 every year to, vi- how am I going to, how, I don't understand, but there's just something about, we're in Vision Builders Month, there's something about God will always send a word that does not make sense. If it made sense, anybody would believe. But most of the time, the word of God comes, if you will die for their sin, everybody can have life. Hang on, how does that work again? It, the, the, it doesn't make sense in the natural natural it, it's not a rational Faith. It's a super. It's a supernatural. It's an. It's an element. Can you believe God? Can you be obedient to God when it doesn't make sense? It didn't make sense for us to, to leave Australia. It didn't make sense for us to. We had people even at the airport, other ministers saying, "Listen, why don't you plant in Australia? Everybody knows you. You guys have got platform. You got profile. You could have 500 people on your first Sunday. It would be easy. It would be. And I. Did, they. They were well-meaning, but it was. It was. It was almost the devil speaking. Through them, and God said, Yeah, it'll be easy, you won't even need me. So, you choose whether you want to build a church on your reputation or you want to build it on my power. You, you choose. And I said, you know what, God, I'd rather go the difficult, but know that God is present than go in where it's built on me and my profile and reputation. But God will ask you things. God will speak to you things. The world that we live in is wor- word-starved. That's why it's full of unbelief. And our job is to bring word saturation so that we can put believing faith. That's why we, we preach the word. Somebody say amen. amen. The second one. So. The first one is they had to believe the word of God. But the word of God, when it comes, it comes and you'll find that it doesn't just carry a weight, but it carries a price. Because the second thing they had to do was they had to obey. They had to obey. Now, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where the rubber hits the road. It's one thing to believe the word of God, but belief in action is obedience. Belief in action. Action is obedience. When, 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 when Pastor Phil asked Leanne and I, hey, I want you to pray about San Diego. We're like, San Diego? That's not in Australia. He's like, no, you know, it's, it's in America. I want you to pray about San Diego. We went away and we prayed. We prayed and three times God spoke to us through, through these sources that we were meant to go. We were meant to come to San Diego. We, we believed the word, but then it actually, it, there came a day well, we had to pack up. We had to sell everything. We had to have conversations with our kids. Our eldest was 10 and he didn't want to go. He was settled. He had all of his friends. He'd already moved when he was three from New Zealand to Australia. And now seven years later, he'd just gotten settled. He was in, you know, wonderful soccer teams and had all of his buddies and all of his friends and they would ride their bikes in the streets and now we were going to uproot him and take him to a country where he he didn't know anybody and he had to start all over again he didn't want to go he really didn't want to go it was a difficult conversation tommy was too little to really understand everything that was going on he was just excited for the journey but um but I, I remember I remember him him saying that he loved the orange one house when are we going back to the orange one house which was our house in, in Sydney. and uh, But it was obedience. The Bible says, and you'll find it all the way through, God says, if you'll obey. In fact, the Bible says that if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient. Sometimes you can be obedient, but not willing. I found God, God likes you to kind of be willing to be obedient. <laughs> There's nothing like reluctance, obedience. My wife likes when I'm willing and obedient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. What do we do a date night? Whew, not, uh, all right. Uh, I just killed the date night. If I'm hoping for cuddles afterwards, it just, it went out the window. But if I'm willing and obedient, oh my gosh, a date night with you? The most beautiful woman on planet? Yeah. Where do you want to go? Willing and obedient, I'm telling you. Sometimes you gotta fake it till you're mad. What? I did not fake it till I'm. Samuel, why would you project those thoughts into. Samuel Duth, look at him. Always using his ESPN, isn't he? Keys are up, I gotta keep moving. Uh oh, uh oh. Obedience always costs you personal preference, but disobedience costs you personal peace. Obedience will cost you, well, my personal preference is, Lord, I prefer not to go to San... I prefer not to give that amount in the vision builders. I prefer not to... Yeah. I prefer not to go to marriage. I prefer not to go to a marriage. I prefer not to volunteer on a team. I prefer... Obedience will cost you your personal preference. But disobedience, I've found every time I've been disobedient, it has always cost me personal peace. And I'm telling you, if you have to give one of the two up, don't give up your personal peace. The Bible says, you know, uh, and great is the peace. Great is the peace for those whose hearts trust God, for those who walk in, in His ways. I've even found that, you know, in in vision builders, it's it's uh, obeying God's voice. I can't tell you how many times I've sat there, and Leanne and I figured it out. We're giving this amount; that's it's a stretch, and everything. And then that pesky Holy Spirit, who I know is I know he's just trying to help, but there are times I'm like, Holy Spirit, please, please stop, stop. You're I don't think you're helping right now. That is. Un poquito loco. Okay, I know that you know that with God all things are possible, but I'm still on the journey. Like lighten the load a little bit here, would you? And uh, he he doesn't want to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. Roll away the stone. Well, can't you just use your finger and roll away the stone? No, no, no. If you roll away the stone, I'll raise Lazarus from the dead. Roll away the stone. And so sometimes rolling away the stone, that stone is unbelief. They, they seal the tomb shut saying, no, he's already dead. It's four days. It's over. You know what? You need to roll away your doubts. You need to roll away your impossibilities. You need to roll away your unbelief so that I can do the miraculous. And so we find that the greatest thing you can do, it's dangerous. Anybody who tries to tell you, oh, you know, Christians, they just need to cr- crutch. are you kidding me? Have you ever walked with the Holy Ghost? Have, he, he, he. He has no unbelief. He has no fear. He just has complete faith. He'll say, "Step out of the boat, walk on water. I got you." you like, "Walk? On. It's not." The Holy Ghost is awesome. He'll say, "Pull that person out of a wheelchair." Terminal cancer? Pray for him. Oh, they got tumors in them. Just pray. The Holy Ghost is—he's awesome. It's dangerous, but awesome christianity christians need a crutch well obviously you have no idea what you're talking about i don't know why we listen to people who don't go to church as though they're the experts on christianity well what the church should be doing oh you go to church oh you don't yeah shut up and uh why would i listen to you jack wagon i tell you what you start obeying the word of god i'll start listening obedience is the litmus test obedience is the litmus test in genesis 22 i got a land i know in genesis 22 when when god brought abraham uh, when abraham brought isaac and put him on the altar and lifted up the knife and was about to plunge it god says stop stop and then he said this he says because because you have not withheld from me your only son because you have done this Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. There's something powerful about obedience. The greatest life that you can live is an obedient life to God. If you want to unlock the power of God, if you want to have a testimony in your life that every word God promised came to pass in my life, first of all, believe. But second of all, you've got to be obedient. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, the last one, number three. Or should I just finish are Okay, I like you. That was a trick question. (laughs) You're very kind. You're very kind. So they had to believe. They had to obey. The last one, they had to warfare. The last one, they had to warfare. Throw the scripture up. We're just going to speed read through it. Joshua chapter 12, 7 to 24. This is hilarious. Hilarious. So, So God says, I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey, a good and large land. You know, land of the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And I'm going to give you this. In fact, I'm going to go ahead of you. I'm going to go before you. And I'm going to drive out the inhabitants of the land. In fact, because of their perversions and because of their abominations, I am, the land is vomiting them out and I'm driving them out. So if we can throw uh, Joshua 12, 7 to 24. If we can throw, throw that one up, Joshua 12, 7 to 24. Basically, it goes through, uh, the, there's, there's 31 kings. There are 31 kings, and it says at the, in verse 24, it says, And these are the kings that Joshua defeated. These are the kings that Joshua defeated. In fact, just goes straight down to, to verse 24. So it goes, and it literally lists all the, all the, all the king of Terza won, all the kings, 31. They, 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 it's like God <laughs> omitted the detail. That's how you know God's a boy. He doesn't, he, he doesn't follow the, the, the instructions when he's putting stuff together. He just details. Like, I'm going to drive them out. The land's going to vomit them out. This land is yours, baby. Go and take it. And they get in there. There are 31 kings occupying their territory, trying to block them. It, it didn't end with Jericho. It began with Jericho. It starts with the king of Jericho, and then there are 30 other kings. They had to whoop. They had to drive out. They had to defeat. They had to evict. The horrible thing about 31 is there are 31 days in half the months of the year, which means that there's a king, there's a demon, there's a principality, there's a warfare, there's a battle pretty much every day. Just don't, don't think, oh, why, why am I warfaring? No, no, it's because it's you're taking territory. If you're not warfaring, you're not taking territory. If you're warfaring, you are taking territory. The, the, so, so, so that's why the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. It's not like, yeah, on Sundays. <laughs> on Sundays, I, I polished it, didn't I? I added a few things, some sequins. Some feathers. Yeah, because, you know, we don't need it, but it's on a Sunday, like I walk in and I can flex a little, can't I? Wearing the armor of God, breastplate of righteousness, helmet. No, 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 no. What are you talking about? It's not for Sundays. It's not for Sunday show. The armor of God is for every days. Every freaking days, you have to be taking ground. you got to be engaging. And the Bible says the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The Lord drove them out, but they had to engage. They had to engage the enemy. When we came to, to, to San Diego, we found that there was all kinds of warfare. There was all kinds of demonic attacks coming against us. And so we found that every day we're in warfare, but we found that every time there was an attack against us, it was a promotion. It was God saying, hey, I've lined up the next one. I want you to whoop and take down. When David took down Goliath, he took Goliath's head. He had authority over the Philistines all his life. In fact, for a season, he chose to live with them and they harmed him not. Why? Because he was the prince over the, the Philistines because he took the head. He took the authority of, of their strong man, which was Goliath. There's something powerful. Don't, don't, don't run from the battle. Run to the battle. Don't shirk spiritual warfare. Every time you're engaged in spiritual warfare, God is about to promote you. God is about to, to bring you up. When we were in Israel this year, we, we went to Caliber Three, and and the the guys at Caliber Three, uh, Colonel Sharon Guard, was telling us that Israel is the safest nation in the world. I'm like, Israel's? the you guys, you guys are surrounded by a billion people that want to wipe you out? He goes, Yeah, but we are the safest place in and and his. Compound, he says, this is the safest place on planet earth. And it's true because they are all geared with warfare. They are all experts in warfare. Because of their expertise in warfare, there is safety. If there's no warfare, evil will overwhelm you. The church stopped singing songs of war and moved into a door, and we wonder why we lost a generation. We've got to come back to singing songs of war. We've got to come back to, to when I when when Leanne and I got saved, it was. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the armies of the Lord. We sang songs of warfare. Calling down fire, calling down f- Binding the strong man, ooh, ah. Loosen the captives, oh, slaying Goliath, ooh, ah. Setting the captives free, calling down fire. Like, we, we sang we sing songs of warfare. And because we sang songs of warfare, we're engaged in warfare. We were looking for the next devil to take down. We were looking for the next demon. We were ready for the fight. We were equipped for the fight. When people left church, they had their armor on. They had their sword girded by their side. They had their shield of faith. And they were ready to go out and take ground. But we moved from war to a door. And then we put down our armor. We put down our and we just, you know, lost in the Lord. And we just sing a big sloppy kiss from heaven. And, and we kind of, no, no, no. We got to... What? What? Kiss him when you get to heaven for crying out loud. Right now there are demons that need to be defeated. I was talking to somebody. Stand to your feet. I was, I was talking to a beautiful lady in our church the other day. And uh, she was at a, at a meeting where there was a, a prominent rabbi. And this rabbi, they're very, very business savvy. He owns the patents to all the cameras that they put that are like the closed circuit cameras that that monitor, you know, everything that goes on. And uh, he said, you know, LA is a piece of cake. He says, but I can't understand. I can't understand. He goes, we get so much resistance. He goes, you know, the people in San Diego, we, we don't know what it is about San Diego, but they they resisted the COVID vaccines. They, they, they resisted the COVID lockdowns that the, that they, they just don't seem to comply with government intrusion. And he says, and and sure it's intrusive, but it's for their own good. How come they don't let us, you know, put cameras everywhere and invade an invasion of their privacy? I don't understand. He says, but we can do it in LA, we can do it in San Francisco, but there's all there's and, and this person in my church is sitting there laughing, going, Oh, I know why. I know why. Our church, I know why, I know why. There's resistance. Because we, spiritual warfare, because we push back, because we push back. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank you today for your anointing, your presence, and your power. Father, I pray, Lord God, that every single person here has the same testimony as Solomon, that not one word that you have promised by your servant Moses, not one word that you have promised has failed to come to pass. But every word, every word has come to pass in our lives. Father, help us to to believe, help us to obey, and help us to warfare. In Jesus' name, everybody say